is up, y'all? Wow! <laughs> Just trying to blow out your speakers first things first. Happy Wednesday. Happy Thursday. Happy whatever day of the week it is. You know, we are inclusive of all days of the week here at Depressed and Shit. They're all, you know, like cute and, uh, what? Uh, Okay, moving on. <laughs> hey, welcome to Depressed and Shit. I'm your host, Leah. We are together going to spend the next half hour on a casual, non-judgmental journey hearing another human's experience with mental health during or related to the pandemic and just, you know, have it not be weird. <laughs> Is that fucking crazy? Speaking of the pandemic, oh, the pandemic. The COVID numbers are creeping back up, y'all. And, you know, I'll be real with you. You and your well-being has just been on my mind, man. I just, I've been spending so much time worrying about my friends and the depressed and shit community and just like your well-being, especially my buddies in the cold weather places, Chicago, New York, Philly, Boston, Minneapolis, Seattle, I could go on. I'm thinking about you a lot because let's be real, we're looking at a weird ass winter ahead and things could get kind of gnarly emotionally speaking. The potential for loneliness and like, you know, all that uncomfortable and painful shit. So I really hope that depressed and shit can give you a little relief or maybe even a little joy as we work through all this nonsense together. We're gonna get through it. We're gonna get through it! <laughs> losing my mind. Love, we're here. Let's have some fun. Let's boogie. So today's episode is extremely important for a lot of relevant reasons. And here's one of those reasons that matters to me a lot. And it relates to men whom I love. I love men. <laughs> A lot romantically but and platonically okay relax so in a mental health related course I'm taking recently there was a cis straight male these are significant details a cis straight male marriage and family therapist who led a workshop and shared that he thought the number one issue in the U.S. right now is toxic masculinity this is a big deal, I think, for a straight man to accept and publicly assert such an idea. And let me tell you, I respected the shit out of him for it. It was brave as shit. So now take a breath. This episode is not about toxic masculinity. It is about men talking about things that society has not given them generous permission to talk about. We hear from a man who, by leading through example, breaks down the stigmas that surround men men seeking mental health support. And it is fucking baller because those stigmas run deep. So Drew Kemp, today's guest, is rapidly growing as a community activist. He does a lot of work with the Pro Black Club, a burgeoning community organization based out of South Central Los Angeles, which we get into. But he has also noticed this wild trend in the conversations he has sparked from posting about his weekly therapy sessions on Instagram and Twitter. It's a big deal for a man to do this, y'all. And I think regardless of your gender, this convo is a critical listen. With a great sense of humor mixed in, Drew is a lot of fun. Next week, we hear from a lady's experiences with PTSD and how it's possible for grief and gratitude to coexist just in time for the holidays. But forging ahead, please drop us a rate or review on Apple Podcasts, both one, I don't care. Give us anything. And if you dig this episode, feel free to share it to your Instagram stories. All right, here's Drew E. Kemp, y'all.
first session, if you are, you know, when you go see your therapist or whatever, you're not, your first session isn't talking about deep. No, it's awkward. It's just (laughs) mostly getting to, yeah. Like you're getting to know the person because it's a relationship. So it's a date. It's a therapy date. Okay. I'm really excited to hear about your experiences with um, seeking mental health support, as well as your perspectives on the stigmas that exist around the mental health world. Uh, so then let's dive right into the, into the brain shit, shall we? Yeah, definitely. So my first question about that is at, looking at life pre-pandemic or going really as far back as whatever your story entails, at what point in your life did you first start seeking mental health services? Yeah. So in all honesty, my journey with mental health and therapy goes as far back as to like being in first, second grade. Third oh, grade. really? Yeah. Um, I was a kid who was very smart, but I was a kid who had like a lot of issues with anger. Mm. And so I do remember like, at one point I was put into like a school counselor, therapist, like they had grad students who were in the therapy program at Loyola Marymount University who right. placed in the get elementary their hours. school, yeah. get their hours. And so like, I did go see like a school therapist for a little bit for as long as like that grad student was there for, which was maybe like a couple of weeks or whatever. Right. Um, but like never anything long-term and always kind of had issues of just like depression and anxiety and you know those types of things and so really like when I started to figure out what I needed to do for myself was in college you know college is a weird time for anybody Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. being away from home is hard Mm -hmm. you know and you know you're starting to figure out who you are, the kind of person you want to be, what relationships matter to you, you're dating, first time in life. If you're Leah, you drink it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You're like, your first time you're like, you're having like, quote unquote, an adult relationship. And so- You studied theater in college, right? I did, I did. Yeah, I studied theater in college, but like found myself coping with a lot of issues in maybe not so healthy Sure. Ways. Right. Um, so definitely drinking, definitely like doing drugs and oh, smoking. And <laughs> Which is legal now. Which is legal now. Yeah. But yeah, like I found myself like going into my sophomore year, just feeling really just shitty, Damn. feeling really bad about myself. Like to the point where I was like having self-harm thoughts and you just, it's just spirals. It's yeah, yeah. Really badly. Like, luckily, I have an older sister who at the time was in her master's program for marriage and family therapy. Oh, okay. Yes. And so yeah. I was able to talk to her. And then she suggested I go that see if there's any. huge. Yeah, she was huge. Like, luckily, I was at a school where they had therapists on campus that were easily accessible and you were allowed to go to therapy certain amount of times a quarter, which was great for me because one, I'd never really formally done that. And I came from a family where that wasn't really a thing, but like really helped me figure out like some things I was able to get on medication that helped me like (laughs) balance some parts of my life out. Um, Did you you stay on that medication for a long time? 
Yeah. So I was on medication for probably most of my college experience. Oh yeah. And then after college, I was able to find ways to kind of get off the medication and not rely so much on it. Right. Um, Right. People sometimes get freaked out and scared by medication, which is, I think is fair. Yeah. Um, Well, cause I, I don't feel like there's a lot of help to get off of them. They put you, it's so easy to put you on them and then they're not designed to stay on for life. And people, people don't seem to understand that, which is a bummer. I wish, I wish that was more out in the open. Definitely agree with you. So I was able to do the therapy thing for a little bit. And then did you have a counselor (laughs) that you liked or clicked with? I did. And then one day she just disappeared from campus. What? She killed someone. (laughs) I don't know what happened to her. I like one day I'm showing up to my usual Wednesday appointment. Yeah. and, And I walk into the office and they're like, oh, you didn't hear? She packed up her office and then like didn't come in the next day. Something ugly must have happened. Yeah, who knows? I mean, therapists are also people, so yeah, that's true. In her life, but yeah, that was really sucky um, because it was really hard after that to get another therapist. Right. Cool. So I did go a little bit after that, and then kind of found myself back into falling into old patterns. Oh, really? Like if you knew me in college, like I was self-medicated most of the time. I would say probably 90% of the time. Okay. If you like talk to my professors now and they, most of them will say Drew was high most of the time. Like they knew, but like I asked one of my professors, I was like, well, why did that bother you? Didn't know you? They're like, they're like, no, you seemed like you were managing and it wasn't affecting your work and you were showing up to class and I would just be in class. Just interesting. I'm not sure what to say to that. Yeah. I don't know what to say to that either, but I mean, like it sounds sensible, but then you're like, that's also kind of fucked up. Cause I mean, I would show up to voice lessons faded. Right. Okay. So college, I guess for you and just like for our age group, millennials was like about seven to 10 years ago, right? Have you been in therapy on and off the whole time? Have there been long stretches yeah. where you didn't need it so much? And for the, for the listeners, we're talking like one-on-one talk therapy because yeah. there are different forms. There's, there's definitely different forms. Um, yeah. So I've been in therapy now on and off. Um, what got me back in therapy senior year, I broke up with my college girlfriend mm-hmm. That on top of around that same time, that's when Armin or Vonnie passed away. Um, And so it was just like a lot of things were happening around that time. And then on top of this, like you're switching year, you're about to graduate and you start realizing you have a theater degree. Yeah, you have a degree in the arts. No, it's true. So you're starting to have... Yeah. You have, you know, I fucking broke down around graduation time for my undergrad. I mean, I feel like any arts degree you get is you're going to start second guessing. Yeah. I was a real existential mess. I had no idea of like my path. It's crazy. And it's like the arts field really success is measured by you being either uber fucking famous or you're wealthy or and you started wealthy and then you yeah, just Yeah, you started wealthy. wealthy and you stayed wealthy or your parents are wealthy. And, you know, like my dad's an immigrant <laughs> from a third world country. And where's he my, from? My dad's from Belize. Okay, got it. And my mom is 
first gen here and mm-hmm. I was the first male to graduate from college in my family. Wow. Like all of that on top of everything was really what pushed me to get back into therapy and mm. probably was the most successful, really laid the groundwork for what I realized I needed to do for the rest of like since then to now. I'm at the point in life where I'm like, okay, I'm just, I just go to therapy now every week, Tuesday. That's my day. That's cool. So it sort of transitioned from being this thing you used when there were like traumatizing events to just being this part of your regular, I hate the, I don't, I'm not crazy about the word self-care, but your self-care routine. It's No, it's self-care. It's that's what it is. And that's where I'm at right now. And that's where I find myself like trying to help friends, trying to help people who follow me on Twitter, trying to help people, you know, like. Yeah. So I want to hear about that. Yeah. So you had said, yeah, that you've recently, or actually you didn't say recently. So I don't know how long you've been doing it, that you started posting about your therapy sessions on Twitter and Instagram. Right. And that's opened this sort of Pandora's box in your community. Right. Yeah. I, I am very comfortable with the fact I go to therapy. Yeah, but that's, and that's unique. Like that's not typical. Yes, as a man, as a black man, as a person of color. Yeah. As somebody in their twenties, like late twenties, about to hit the thirties. Like I'm very comfortable about talking about therapy. I'm very comfortable talking about- Where do you think that comes from? I have really framed it in- my understanding of therapy is, I feel like, is what has broken that down for myself. Is so, Leah, you're trying to get in shape. You know, it's Hi. you're doing, you're doing what you're doing. You know, you maybe you're trying to finally break out. I mean, you might have six pack abs. I don't know. You're, you're no neck up the, the right three now. Three martinis <laughs> I have a night don't exactly help with oh, that. <laughs> but you know, maybe, yeah. maybe tomorrow sure. you decide I'm gonna get six pack abs. That's my goal. For sure. Yeah. It's first couple months it's hard it's it's the results aren't going the right way you're not quite sure like what you should be eating to achieve that goal so what do you do what might you do get a personal trainer get a personal trainer and what are you hoping that personal trainer does for you help me figure out how to get six-pack abs exactly or be a friend no i'm kidding i mean maybe both i didn't realize we were going to be role-playing i love this drew (laughs) but yeah yeah like what are some things like if you know, you think of a good personal trainer. What are some things that a good personal trainer does for you? Encourages me, gives me advice. I wouldn't have thought of myself, you know, yeah. Um, Sets goals, sets goals, calls you out. Right. So nobody, nobody gets upset. Nobody thinks it's weird. Like I think in our side, nobody thinks it's weird when somebody decides they're trying to get fit and they seek out a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the same thing. That's the same role a therapist serves. That's a really excellent Ther- A parallel. therapist, yeah. A therapist is your mental health personal trainer. That's mm-hmm. really what I think of it is. It's teaching you good habits, teaching you problem solving skills, teaching you how to overcome obstacles, like teaching you about yourself, like unpacking things that behaviors that you've developed since maybe you were a kid that are now affecting you now and you didn't even realize it. Like all of those things that you expect from a personal trainer so that you can be fit and you look great and you can hit summer 2021 
probably summer 2022 at <laughs> yeah, this let's point be, because let's be realistic knows, here who knows if a vaccine is going to be easily accessible to everybody yeah. so let's say summer 22 all those things you're looking for so you look good when you hit the beach when you go on vacation that's the same thing therapist does for you that's the same thing therapy groups can provide for you and that's for me is when I really was like I'm I am making it my personal goal to really try to destigmatize yeah especially for guys because that's I was gonna ask the people that reach out to you are they of a certain demographic like is it mostly men is it mostly young people it's mostly men it's mostly young men it's mostly guys like between the ages of 22 to mm-hmm. like 30s you know our sure. age our yeah. age I've had guys I've had friends who literally hit me up and be like man your tweets are literally what made me go find a therapist and I'm like and I didn't start doing that because of I didn't start tweeting it because I'm like I'm gonna get people to go to therapy it's just like this that was is, your experience this is my, this is my fucking weekly this, yeah. this was the day I had yeah you know like you know one session I'm in therapy and I'm talking to my therapist shout out to Dr. Natalie she's great um talking to her about like my issues with like family and how my sister got me and my sister got into argument over some bullshit who knows I'm just telling Twitter that you know like this yeah these are the things that like my therapist tells me to cope with you know when I come up with a problem and when people reach out to you as well, like what you just said, do they ever say things that like perpetuates the stigmatizing of mental health? Like, do they yeah. come in with false notions of what therapy is or something like that? Yeah. And that's like always is, it, it's definitely hard to hear that. Cause it's like, dang, you really are, society's really fucked us up. Like mm-hmm. into thinking, seeking help. Cause that's what it is. You're just seeking out some extra support. Some Especially extra men. Like I yes. hate speaking in binary terms, but it's like men have not been given permission to consider this shit. No. And it's all of our faults for no. that. Never given permission. And so it's like, you're talking to guys who are like, yeah, man, like I, I don't think I need to see a therapist because then that's just admitting that my girlfriend has power over me, or that's just admitting that the breakup was hard on me, than it, harder on me than it was on her. And I'm like, first off, you choosing to not get the help and support you need, especially two years later after you guys have been broken up, like that you're clearly still talking about, that you're clearly still upset about, <laughs> proves that she has whatever imaginary hold you think over you. She clearly does. So. Yeah. Let's get some support. Let's get some help so that you can figure out you have the tools to go into the next relationship. You can extract the lessons that need to be learned from that experience and go into your next relationship, a better person and someone who's able to emotionally connect with your next partner, the, someone who's able to uh, talk about their feelings with their next partner, someone who's not afraid to voice when Maybe their needs aren't getting met with their next partner, whatever it is. If that's the reason why, if that's the reason that takes you to therapy, then that's the reason that takes you to therapy. But therapy is going to be more than just that one relationship that got you there. I mean, and we also, for the men listening, we don't all have to be Drew Kemp's and like tweet our whole experience. No. Like it can be a private experience. No. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've, I've had guys who, who hit me up, who DM me. Yeah. I've had guys who, you know, just like, who maybe I've known for a long time who have my phone number and they just text me and like 
and they approach it very much like on a hey man like just between you and me like yeah what did you what did you do to find a therapist what did you like it's been interesting the people in my life that have come out of the woodworks since I started this podcast that I had no idea they were like going through things but once I essentially gave them like permission to talk to me about shit it's like here they come and they got all this shit and they just yeah I I and I say this as someone who I acknowledge I'm not a mental health expert. Oh, ditto a thousand times this is, over. This is all coming simply from my own personal experience. And this is like what I try to also tell them. I'm like, it's also hard to find a therapist because just yeah, like, that, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Just like, you know, like we were saying it's dating, it's dating a therapist. Like it's hard to find a therapist. You're, it's not like a doc, like a regular doctor and you just call one and you make an appointment and it's just it's going to work. You have to really do the work and find somebody that you, you jive with, that you like are compatible with, that you guys are able to communicate on a similar way. And also sometimes race and gender and like socioeconomic class, like the demographic of the therapist also affects your comfort with them. I think. Definitely. I mean, I'm always, always have had a therapist that's been a woman. Oh, interesting. As of late, like my current therapist, she's a woman of color. She's a black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a little bit younger. And so I think that that's what makes our dynamic like or makes the our therapy relationship work is because I feel like she kind of gets what I'm talking about. Um, but like, I also enjoy the way we communicate because she is also one to just call me out when I'm telling her something. And she's like, you know, you're not supposed to be doing that. Like, mm. and that works for me. That might not necessarily work for you, Leah. Like you might not want somebody who tells you calls me on my shit. This is bullshit. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So I remember a few months ago, I remember you posting on Instagram. You must've been in transition from one therapist to another. You were asking for referrals specifically for a black therapist. Was that a difficult process to find one? So Actually, at that point, what I was doing, that was when my friend Erin had started Pro Black Club. Mm-hmm. When she brought me on and we were, you know, us and our group was trying to figure out what was the thing we were going to focus on. The original thing we, we talked about was mental health and oh. mental health accessibility for Black people in LA. You beat me. My last question is about using the pro black club for like (laughs) doing this work. So that's amazing. Yeah. So that was actually the original place we had started and we had done a lot of work to create like a mental health repository and like guides on how to find them and like places that specialize in minority mental health, specifically black mental health. And we were really trying to create resources for that and we did do that stuff and we still have those resources and but then you know we kind of pivoted <laughs> once the primaries were over and right we and things became like, more clear things became more clear with the election and so that's kind of where we're at right now so can you briefly explain now that it's come up what the bro <laughs> pro black club is yeah sorry um, so pro black club is a group of young professionals, young black professionals who are working on specific issues, different issues. Um, Our goal is to provide resources, information, um, and accessibility around whatever that issue is that we're tackling. So 
currently we've been working on voting and getting information out about voting and the California ballot and all those things. And so we really have taken the group, that group and our group consists of black lawyers, black marketing um, people, black people who work in like, you know, video and work in on campaigns and work at different companies. And so it's just a really cool, creative group of black young professionals. And we just kind of like brought all of our towns together and yeah, helped try to create something that was positive in the wake of everything that happened over this summer. And I think that's also what I really like about you guys is that you use a certain amount of humor or lightheartedness in your advocacy that makes it really accessible, I think. Yeah, I mean, I have to give full credit to our like fearless leader, Erin. Yeah. Quinn. She's the leader of our group and she is in charge of aesthetic and making sure the yeah, brand the aesthetic. Is, I've like making sure the brand is strong. Yeah. <laughs> like she makes sure our brand is strong, but it's definitely like been Aaron's vision. And that has like allowed us to, I feel like reach people in such like a very short amount of time. Yeah. Cause yeah. from my perspective, I, I only noticed you guys popping up, I don't know, maybe eight weeks ago, like September time. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, so you've grown really, but I mean, you've grown really fast, it seems like. Yeah. And and, and you're at markets, you're at like pop-ups and things like that. Yeah, definitely. Like trying to do, you know, our outdoor activations and trying to reach people like on the street and have conversations and. Which is very difficult, of course, it's, during the it's, pandemic. It's super difficult. So frustrating. Um, but like we, I feel like we've did done a good job for something that's just had a very short life. It's yeah. been only alive and kicking for a little bit. We've been successful in like reaching people where they're at and mm-hmm. trying to make things as accessible as possible. Just like, even when it comes down, just explaining what's on your ballot. Like so do you see pumping up the OG, like mental health mission at some yeah. point soon? Yeah, I think definitely. Um, I think we'll definitely because, you know, we're going to get into post-election and we're entering that transition phase right now. And, and problems I, will still be around. And problems will still be around and mental health is still going to be an issue. Like we're in a perfect storm of people just breaching and having being in bad mental spaces because we're going to it's a combination of. COVID is still going on and we're about to enter the holidays and seasonal depression and it gets dark at freaking 4 p.m. which is yes, so it does. stupid. I know I feel like, like the sun is already going down right now. Yeah, it's so stupid. I think it's great too. I, I looked up some statistics that should come as surprise to no one unless you live under a fucking rock. It's from the American Psychological Association, which is, you know, the top, like a very legitimate trusted source. So the breakdown of U.S psychology workforce right now, the U.S. psychology workforce, black clinicians make up a whopping 4% and then surprise, fucking surprise of 86 are white. So I just, I think that this is valid, really valid work that you're doing. And, and, and when you look at those stats, it can be very like overwhelming, but also very depressing. One, I acknowledge I have been lucky to be, to work in places and be places and come from a family that 
has allowed me to have access to mental health resources, even though sometimes it's hard to find maybe a therapist or find, or they can be expensive or they can be expensive. Yeah. You know, if, if you, if you are not lucky enough to find a therapist that takes your insurance, or maybe you don't have insurance for someone who goes to therapy every week that if I don't have, if I didn't have insurance that covered that, like I wouldn't be able to afford it. I'd be in a very different space. And that's the part that like, I think really drives me and bugs me. You know, I feel like I have a sense of like, I really try to, I always joke with like my friends and my girlfriend, like I try to fight for truth and justice, but like, that's the shit that bothers me. Like, I know I'm lucky and we live in a country where Medicare is not guaranteed for everybody. We live in a country where access to good mental health care is not a luxury that everybody is afforded. And a lot of things, a lot of issues like could probably be addressed or, you know, we could at least alleviate some of the issues we have, like high prison rates, high, you know, a lot of people who are in prison have mental health issues. A lot of those things like could be addressed if we would give access and prioritize these things for people. Like, yes. And that's the shit that fucking bothers me. And maybe not <laughs> even explicitly talk therapy, like even just having community groups, and exactly. Churches and, and anything sports teams and shit like that. Exactly. Everything like I have one very specific experience, but I want people to have a choice. I want people to be able to explore that. I want that kid who's being raised by a single mom and is labeled disruptive to be able to get the tools and see the people and so that they are able to grow up and they understand their feelings and they're not like me who didn't realize a lot of the anger and a lot of the issues that they had growing up probably could have been resolved if it, if I had access to things or, you know, if I had the information or if I had parents who like, who God bless them. I love my mom and dad. Sure. They did so much work for me, but like, they also didn't know those resources should be in schools. We need consistent care starting from a young age, yes. identify these issues, especially when these issues disproportionately affect black and brown kids. Black and brown kids are the ones who are disproportionately labeled disruptive and problem child and, yeah, you know, lazy, are, ex- it's you know yeah. are expelled from schools or yeah. lazy or whatever. And then it's, it's a cycle. It's a cycle that can't, that doesn't get broken unless we do something about it. I agree. And just to give the listeners like an alternative perspective, like I, for one, I don't actually like one-on-one therapy that much, but I fucking love group therapy. I don't yeah. know. I just, I do. And it's usually free, if not cheap, you know, I find so much strength in community. So like there's different options and we just need to get the word out there more on what mental health services even are. It's not exclusively sitting in like a bland room with a lady and, holding a clipboard. Yes. And laying on a couch. Yeah. Like, like it's no, not like, sure. That's one version of it that Hollywood has really um, stereotyped, but there's a lot of different mediums to this field. Yeah. I know people who do art therapy. Yeah. I know people who do group therapy. I know people who do dance therapy. I know, Or even just join like church groups or a soccer team or something. Like, you know, I know someone who does, who goes, does like equestrian therapy where they go (laughs) to a stable and they walk horses and groom horses and they talk about the issues they're facing and that's what helps them cope with it. But there's so many different kinds of therapy and you're right. We need to break down the stigma 
that therapy is there's only one way to do therapy and mm-hmm. that oh I'm paying for somebody to listen to my problems that's not what it is like it, I, it goes back to the training the you know personal trainer analogy like you're, you're paying and you're going to get a service that allows you to learn the skills to deal with the bullshit that we all face in life yeah like we're all different people and we all come from different experiences but the one thing that we that unites us all as humans on this earth is that we all face bullshit at some point you got to know how to cope with it you got to know how to deal with it and you got to know how to handle it and come out of that situation still intact and still a good person because we're all i believe deep downside we're, we all have goodness in us. If a man came to you today who had never sought mental health support previously in his life, asking you like, hey, Drew, where do I start? What, what would you say? I think first I would really give them encouragement for acknowledging that like, you know, they're trying to seek out some additional help. Secondly, I would say like, what is it that you're looking for? And secondly, what resources do you need? And I would the first thing I usually direct people to is psychology today, which is allows people to kind of search for things as a good starting point. Cool. Um, but like anybody who ever reaches out to me, I'm like, bro, I'm glad you are seeking something out and I'm here for you. Here are some resources that I can provide you. Let's talk it out and let me know how I can be a support for you. That's awesome. Thank you, Drew. Thank you. I'm so glad we got to talk. And check out Pro Black Club. Where we, where can we find you on Instagram? Instagram is our is the best place to check us out at Pro Black Club. We're right on there. Come check us out. Follow us. Connect with us. Great place to be. And as I said, they've got really great graphics. So just if that can be the in, <laughs> then stick around after that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Depressed and Shit was recorded in a real live bedroom in Los Angeles, California. Music by Eric England, logo designed by Carrie Weiss, produced and hosted by Real Honest Batch Liamata. Do you have reactions to today's episode? Do you have an experience with mental health you'd like to share? Or are you the baby angel from the heavens that wants to donate to cover administrative costs and all that fun shit? Email us at depressedandshitpodcast at gmail.com. No asterisk here, folks. That's just the logo. Shit is spelled S-H-I-T. Bye-bye. To repeat, depressedandshitpodcast at gmail.com. See you next Wednesday.